Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us to come here. Your children, this place of worship, we've come to gather together as you have told us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as some have done and gone shipwrecked. We pray for all those who want to meet and can't, Lord, that they will be restored to their churches and to their families and God and be able to sing and praise you and worship you in public as we are entitled, Lord. We thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, your precious word. We thank you for growing us up in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we may be helped, healed, empowered, loved, and prospered, and share that same help with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father, I want to lift up our president and his wife, First Lady Melania, and Hope Hicks, and all the others who may be affected by this COVID, this scourge. Lord, we just believe right now, and we just speak health and wholeness over them, restoration. Quickly. The manifestation is coming quickly. We see it now, Lord, and there will be testimonies of your greatness and your help and your healing power. We thank you, Lord, for continuing to allow him to speak boldly and to speak of miracles and to speak of your love and your work and do things for your people and for the freedoms that we enjoy, Lord. And we just thank you. We lift up all of those who even oppose him, Lord, and oppose the freedoms that we enjoy in this nation. And we just ask that you would begin to Heal everyone where they hurt, Lord, and that you will open blind eyes and that whatever is lacking in any of us, you reveal it, Lord, and you help us to come together and that your prayer, Lord Jesus, will be answered, that we all will be unified, one unified body, and that that's how the world will see that we are truly your disciples, our love, one for another, without divisions and schisms, even within your church, your body, Lord. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. It's a scripture that you do not I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to venture a guess and say you don't have it hanging on your refrigerator <laughs> I, it's not in your daily uh, journal it's not in your study notes for the most part but it's a scripture that I think you'll see is important because we need to come to the knowledge of the truth of the Word of God. Good, bad, and ugly. Amen? Amen. Jeremiah 17, 9, and I'm just going to tell you what it says in the King James Version because when, 
when they don't all say the same thing and it's important, I like to just revert to the King James. The good thing about the King James, I, I would teach out of it all the time, except that you have to translate everything that you say <laughs> to, to English. <laughs> there are some religious folks who would take offense at that. We're not religious here. We, we're in relationship with Jesus Christ. We're believers, amen. And he's a lot of fun. Believe that. The King James in Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? People are not basically good. I'm sorry to say that. But I'm saying it because a lot of the problems you see in the world and this these utopian ideologies apart from God, apart from Christ, are all pride, arrogance, and deceit, deceived. Right? People are not basically good. There is good in all people. We all come from God. God loves us all. This is a, these are facts. And it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should be born again, come to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, repent and turn their life over to Him and, and become part of His family. But until they do that, once they come to the age where they know their choice and they reject it or accept it, then from that time on, they are not children of God. Until they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. This is a hard fact. But after having laid out all of the foundation. In our hearts and minds. Knowing the why. You know. Just think of. If you were God and your your child. You had an only child that you loved so much. And you. And he agreed. That. He was the only hope they had and to sacrifice him. And you would actually agree to that. I can't even imagine. But doing that and then they say, well, he was a good guy, but I think I'll try it this way. (laughs) Uh, Doesn't work like that, folks. You know, our founding fathers, what they referred to for this nation, this great nation. They knew this scripture. Even the ones who weren't Christians during that time, they agreed, they assigned, signed off on this covenant for, to create this new nation, knowing that the tenets of this book are good and necessary. And they knew that the heart of man is basically evil, not basically good. And so... They used that. They knew that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so they devised a a three-branch government to establish checks and balances to protect 
all men from the authoritarian power of some men. You see? This was a, un- a unique form of government. It was something, an experiment that was based on godly wisdom. For the first time, these men had experienced the authoritarian governments and of kings and despots and, and, and tyrannical rulers who started out probably good, wanting good, but the more power they got, the more they began to think of themselves as God. These men who would say that they were would answer and hear from God and everybody else just treated them as God. Do you see? That was no way. And it always ended, ended badly for the people. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. All right? I'm just laying some some proof out there from the scriptures. I don't want to say things that are just... I don't want you to think this is a political statement up here. Because declaring our freedom is not a, a political statement. It's a godly statement. But I'm trying to show you that that was an Old Testament scripture, Jeremiah 17, 9. But look here in the New Testament, in opening cha- uh, verse of chapter 2 of Ephesians said, You were dead in trespasses and sins in, once, in, in which you once walked. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they died. The Lord said, the day you eat of that forbidden fruit, you will surely die. The enemy tempted them. No, you won't. He tried to accuse God and blame God and make them think they were missing out on something. To doubt God's goodness, God's word, God's provision. And they took the bait. And they died that day. You say, wait a minute. Pastor... Because I keep reading about them after that. And it says they were almost a thousand years old when they died. 930 years. Good thing we know about 1 Thessalonians 5.23. We understand that we are spirit. God is a spirit. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. That's in the fourth chapter of John. We spoke to the woman at the well. So if God is a spirit, created you in His image... 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says we are spirit, soul, and body. We are a spirit with a soul, a personality, a mind, a will, and emotions riding around in a body. That day, they died in the flesh. I mean, spiritually, forgive me. They lived on in the flesh, separated from God because of the sin. So the seed of man was corrupted. Nothing we could do. Stuck on for Father, Son, Holy Ghost, creation, in which to, into which corruption entered that seed. Thank God for the five, because that's grace. That's redemption. That's Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. 
So we were dead, spiritually dead. From Adam all the way to you, everybody born had that corrupt sin nature within them. And it's evicted whenever we're truly born again, according to John 3, 3. And that sin nature is evicted. You're free from that. Nothing else compelling you to sin, but you still can just put the best of them. <laughs> That's a choice now. All right. So they lived on in the flesh for 930 years, but they were, born, they were, they were spiritually dead. You also, look at the second verse here. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You too, were just as they were, you did follow the prince of this world, which is Satan. And we, we spoke about last week why he was ever allowed to be a prince, and how Jesus had triumphed over him. And you were supposed to be right there on the carriage with Jesus, triumphing triumphing in that parade, that procession through town with all Satan and all his demonic forces and powers on open display in shackles behind you. Amen. Amen. And you enter into that chariot with him through your praise and worship and glorifying God with your words and with your life and with your heart. Amen. People say, well, I wasn't, you know, that bad. I was pretty good. I wasn't like this guy over here or like you, Pastor. I, you know, I was pretty good. Jesus was just the icing on the cake. Pride. That's a lie. You try to be justified by the law. James said, you better keep every point of it because if you're guilty of just one point of the law, you're guilty of the whole thing. And all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're all in the same boat, amen, without Jesus. And at the, gra- at the foot of the cross, the ground is what? Level. It's the same. God is no respecter of persons. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He did it for one, he'll do it for you. I got a wonderful friend in Chicago I was telling Randy about. He was a... He was a, a sniper in the recon division in the Marine Corps four tours and he he tells me preacher just I know I'm going to hell just pray for my children and my family and I'll be alright I'm like son that is wrong 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 minded that is not your final destination unless you want it to be it's not God's will We were all selfish. We all walked with the devil. We were all demonic in a sense. In that sense. Amen. Romans chapter 7. Paul was talking about this. The book of Romans is a beautiful picture of grace. And he walks you through the whole process. And the, But I'll just tell you in Romans 7, 18... Paul says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me. But he doesn't stop there. He says, That is, in other words, let me qualify that in my flesh. It's a good thing that he did that. Otherwise, he would have been misspeaking because he was born again. But without that new nature, that that redeemed spirit within us, 
There is nothing good apart from God. Amen. <clears throat> That's his point. Jeremiah 10.23, a scripture that I quote all the time, says that it is not within man to direct his own steps. Jeremiah had an epiphany. Lord, I see, I know that it is not within man to make his own way, to, to, to make his own plans and to live out his will. We're supposed to surrender to your will and then you will make the crooked places straight. We can't do it on our own. And when we're left to our own devices, we will come up with wicked and vain ideologies and theories and philosophies that seem good, but the Bible says there is a way that seems good or seems right to a man, but its end is destruction. And there's a lot of that going around. In high school, how many of you dreaded? I don't know if I don't. I'm sure they don't do it anymore. I don't know. Anyway, when I was in high school, in the, in the previous century, <laughs> they made made us read a book called Lord of the Flies. Any of you had to read that? Yes. Lord of the Flies. It was a book written in 1954. It was uh, there was. There was a bunch of kids on a deserted island. They were stuck there on a deserted island, and they—it's uh, all about their disastrous attempt to govern themselves, and how, over a, a short period of time, they recreated every evil that you see in the world today—murder and and uh, and. Gangs and and uh, bitterness and rivalry, all this silly stuff, animosity toward one another. How about Animal Farm? A book from nineteen forty-five. No. <laughs> this this one is even is interesting. It's about these animals on a farm. And they decide to rebel against their unjust human farmer, right? And so they got together, hoping to create a society in which uh, animals would be, all would be equal and free and happy. And can I tell you, it ended up the same way as the Lord of Flies. Except the pigs got the power. And they got all the food. All started out great. And they try to figure out who's going to... Well, somebody's got to be in power. And somebody's got to distribute the food. And pretty soon the pigs were the, the dictators, you see. Look in Matthew chapter 25. Y'all with me today? <laughs> we'll try to sew it all together. <laughs> Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. This is Jesus telling the parable of the talents. 
For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. Five, two, and one. To three different individuals. I want you to underline this part. To each according to his ability. According to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. He doubled it. So also when he who had the two talents made two talents more, he doubled his. But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. He didn't do anything with it. He just put it away. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more. He had ten. Master, you've delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that the words we all want to hear? You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. That's the reward in the kingdom of God. When you work hard, more work. Amen. Work is a blessing. <laughs> Thunderous applause. <laughs> um, and he also, verse 22, who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. He just gave him back the one. He hadn't done anything with it. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So, so at least I'd have got a little interest on it, you know. So take the talent from him. Take from the, the have not. Take from the one who is in lack. And give to him who has the ten. For to everyone who has more will be given, has will be given more, and he will have in abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. According to his ability. You see, God knows that we're not all born with the same. We're all different. That's fine. That's good. 
We celebrate those differences. That's why everyone's welcome here. We love everybody. Red, yellow, black, and white. They're all precious in His sight. Amen. And I don't ignore the fact that you're a woman and you're a man and you're a teenager or, you know, whatever. You're black, you're white, you're Asian. Praise God. That's awesome. Tell us about your experience. Tell us about God, what God has done for you. We can't all run as fast as the professional athlete. We're not supposed to. And you know what? If you go run a race with that track star, you don't get a first place trophy when you lose. You're not as fast a runner. <laughs> you lost. Go find your talent, your ability. Grow in that. Share that with the world. There's a movement afoot. It's been around for a long time. But it's really trying, knocking at the door, trying to steal your birthright. Here in this country. Karl Marx was a man, a German, born in 1818 to around 1881, I think. He was a philosopher, economist, successful businessman in all rights. But he came up with Marxism. And, to put it in a nutshell, a couple of the things that it based on. He said, from each according to his abilities, give to each according to his needs. See any differences in what Jesus said and what, I, uh, what this man said? Hello. He also said this. Religion is the opium of the masses, allowing the evil of capitalism to exist. That's why, and it's, that's the spirit of Antichrist, folks. You hear Antichrist, and, and so many people have this fixation on the Antichrist. There will be a man who will be the Antichrist before the end. But the spirit of Antichrist has been in the world when they wrote the New Testament, it said it's already here. Can I just simply say any, any teaching, any thinking, any ideology that says you can make it without Jesus Christ is the spirit of Antichrist. <laughs> That's simple. There is, there is a, there is a congresswoman from New York. God bless her. 
who is so deceived she came out recently and said Donald Trump and Jesus are a lot alike. They're both con artists. Okay? Capitalism. Ooh. Is something that is not allowed in Marxism and socialism and communism. Socialism is just the stepping stone to communism. It's supposed to be that way. It's designed to be that way. You have to first start out like Lord of the Flies and the and the animal farm. Hey, it's going to be great. Everybody, hey, listen, you're not going to have any more lack. We're going to share and everything. They tried this, folks, and the, the pilgrims tried this the first year or two. They almost died. Because those who were good hunters and good craftsmen and providers, they started saying, hey, how come I'm working my tail off and these are just sitting here in the, at the farm and I got to bring and give them everything? And they, they started losing the motivation. And they went back to a capitalistic <coughs> form of government. They have to get rid of it in socialism because it provides an opportunity, not a guarantee, but an opportunity for upward movement. You see. Which is good in God's eyes. He doesn't mind us having things. He just doesn't want them having us. Amen. And if you think that having things and and you tell Lord, oh, just stop, Lord. It's uh, You've done enough. I don't need anything else. Okay. Sounds very religious, but it's pride. My Bible says I'm blessed to be a blessing. And if that sprinkler ever tells the water hose to shut off because I've had enough water, well, what about the yard around you? (laughs) Hello? The wings of the eagle. The wings of that eagle on this beautiful coin that somebody gave me. <laughs> you know, they stand for the, the Constitution of the United States and the Declaration of Independence. And together they help this wonderful nation soar above all the nations of the world. An opportunity, a place from which the gospel should come forth and go into all the nations of the world. And if we're not careful, we'll lose that privilege. We'll have to go underground like in China and so many other places where the church is prospering, by the way. The church has always prospered in times of great persecution and it will continue to. We win in the end, folks. But we're not supposed to sit by idly and be silent about these things and just allow it to happen. And say, praise God. We just don't want to get involved. That's not, you know, your Christian life was never meant to be private. Not according to my word. David jumped around and danced and praised God in front of the procession as the ark was being carried in. And his wife was like, oh, 
He's making such a fool of himself. That's not very kingly. Not acting like a president. You see? (laughs) But he said, I'll dance even harder. I'll praise God even more. That declaration of independence is that covenant that says that we are equal people between before God. Our God-given rights. And that constitution is the covenant between those people establishing justice amongst the citizens. Equal justice under the law. Well, <laughs> this nation had slavery. It sure did. And so did every other nation in this world at one time. And that's a scourge from hell. It's not from God. And can I tell you this? That Abraham Lincoln, bless that man, he, he's the only one that endured worse criticism from the demonic press than this president has. And from the Democrats who end up killing him. Sorry, Lord. I'm not sorry. Listen, this is not a political message. When politics become, they come into the spiritual. Everything is spiritual, by the way. And at the time of the founding of this nation, there was a book that had been printed and reprinted and printed again and passed throughout the colonies with sermons from the 1680s. And by the, by, by the turn of the century, every tenet that is in the Constitution, everything that is in the Declaration of Independence were points from, from sermons preached from the American colony pulpits 50 years prior to the Declaration of Independence. Longer. And they had been passed around. And people, people the, the, the preacher used to stand before the people and say, Listen, here's an election coming up. This one stands for this. This one stands for this. According to the Word of God, here's the choice. It used to not be quite as easy as it is today. We grew up, we were, I grew up in Texas City. My first, after I was the youngest Radio Shack manager in the country, then I I left and went back. I went to the courthouse and I got a job working for the longest elected uh, politician in that county, the district clerk. I became a deputy district clerk. And so I worked for a Democrat. I was a delegate to the state convention on the nominating committee. For the Democrat Party. So many people say, I didn't leave them, they left me. But listen, I remember back then it was corrupt. Back then, I, my heart was still evil too though, you see. And I was like, hey, Kesara, Sarah, let everybody alone, man. They ain't hurting nobody. And I still believe in loving everybody now, in spite of their sin, but not identifying them with that sin. You see, I separate the sin from the sinner. And I'm not going to openly enable 
and in, entitled people to do things which God hates, which is destructive to their soul. I'm not going to stand up for the shedding of innocent blood. I'm not going to stand up for the destruction of the, the family. Look, I want to show you some of the scriptures. Deuteronomy 1, verse 13. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Listen, I, I, I know I'm passionate about this, so I, I, t- raise your hand if it sounds hateful at all to you, because trust me, that is not my heart. My heart is God's truth for people, and that blind eyes be open, that people come to an understanding of the truth. And the only truth that I know, my Lord and Savior said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So if God said it, that settles it for me. I've been in a lot of warfare recently. A lot. And what I tell you about the, the, the turned up temperature of the warfare. Why so much warfare? Because we're winning. The devil is stomping his feet. But I'm glad I talked to you about triumph and how triumph is not trying to obtain the victory. It's, it's the celebration after the victory. We've already obtained the victory. We're coming from the victory, not trying to win one. We walk in the authority and the victory that has already been provided in Christ. We stand firm. When you're tired of standing, just continue to stand. With all the full armor of God. Not you. Not in your own strength. One never walk alone. You're always there. There was Jesus. Deuteronomy 1.13. Show you some of the scriptures that influenced... Our founding fathers, as it were. Deuteronomy 1.13. This, this book, they saw this and they saw how Moses... And listen, he took advice. Moses took the advice of someone who did not follow his God. His father-in-law, who I think was black, y'all. It's okay. He married a black woman and his sister and brother got really ticked off. And God put leprosy on Miriam. For, you see what happened? He didn't like racism. I don't either. Duh. I don't think any of you do. And this nation getting so close to the place where we judge man by the content of his character and not the color of his skin. Can't you see why the enemy would get so upset and try to turn it back the other way? Deuteronomy 1.13 He said, Choose for your tribes. Moses was having to rule over everything. And everybody. And God had blessed the nation of Israel. They were growing and there were so many of them. He couldn't handle all their disputes and strife and all that stuff. And he needed help. And his father-in-law gave him advice and he took it. And he, 
And so what he says is that choose for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men. You say men or women in this case. God is no longer a respecter of person. There's no longer male nor female, slave or free. All that in the, might as well say black or white. Okay? We got to quit seeing that because God, if you're born again, we're all children of God. So we have a better covenant with better promises. You have to realize that. But this is how they saw the representative form of government. Choose for yourself. You're supposed to choose wise and understanding and experienced people, for starters. Don't just go grab a big mouth young bartender and send them up there to rule over us. I'm sorry. Don't go send someone who really came here illegally, married their own brother. And lied and broke every law there was. And now been caught trying to harvest ballots. And keep on voting for them. But go and choose understanding, experienced people. And I will appoint them as your heads. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and experienced men, and set them as heads over you, commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, commanders of fifties, commanders of tens, and officers throughout the tribes. So representative government to smaller and smaller branches, all the way down to your school boards and your local judges and your mayors, starting to see it's important to take an interest in those things as well, right? Yes. Because the federal government was never meant to micromanage everything like that. And so we're starting to see the importance of the smaller government offices as well. But look at this one over in Leviticus. And it's really just back up a few pages. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 15. These are things that the founding fathers took note of. And they said, hey, this, this is how it needs to be done. Because the, the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So let's make it where it's favorable, it's representative. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 15, you shall do no injustice in court. Okay, here we go. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. In other words, no matter what their standing or lot in life, how pitiful their situation or how wealthy, they still all get the same measure of justice, which is equal under the law. Oh, you're poor and you were... And your ancestors were mistreated. So it's okay if you burn down the VFW. No bail. What? When did that become okay? The same way if you're if you're a conglomerate. 
which buys up all the news media and all that, you know, just because you have all the money in the world doesn't mean you should be able to get away with anything you want. It should be the same and the judges should be impartial. You're not supposed to legislate from the bench or impose your personal philosophy of men into that job. The Constitution and the laws of this land were made for the people. Verse 16, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. Okay. Quit running everybody down. Quit being a blamer. Quit being a victim. Take responsibility for your life. Are there bad people in this world that do bad things to you? Everyone has experienced that. Some way worse than others. Some way worse than me. I am. I empathize with those I can and I sympathize with those I, I'm not familiar with the trials and troubles that they have been through. But I understand. Because I understand the Word of God. It doesn't matter. You need to let it go. You need to give it to God. And you need to stand on the promises of God. You look at the last page of my book. Don't focus on your need. Focus on God's provision. The promises of God in Christ are yes and amen for you, for everybody who will come to Him and believe and receive. The law of sowing and reaping, I will preach that in the most destitute, poor, trash heap pulpit in the world. Well, they don't have nothing. How can you tell them they need to give? Because that's how they're going to get. God said it and that settles it. I thank God that I never had a problem with giving to, to, the, to the Lord. I have struggled in my mind sometimes when I... But <laughs> I put it this way. I was so on fire for God and I believed His Word so much that when I came out of a very comfortable situation, which I've done... It's been like a roller coaster ride in my life, but I came out very com- to, to 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 rock bottom. I just started giving. I just started giving. You know, like I have a chapter in there about giving those cars away, just sewing those in in the name of Jesus. And I knew that God was true. And that every let every man be a liar. Whatever that God says, and I said that that settles it for me. And the harder it is for me, the more I'm going to ask God to help me with it. But I'm going to try to do and agree with everything that He says, and that's going to be my life. That's my choice, Holy Spirit. Just like with forgiveness and bitterness, I had a lot of unforgiveness. I had a lot of bitterness. I had a lot of hurt that I was holding on to like a warm blanket. 
And I had to learn, because I said, Lord, it's not working, it's not working, it's not working. Did you really save me? And I mean, he had done everything in the world to show me, including coming to me himself in a dream and standing next to me before the judge. And I looked up and there's no judge, there's no jury, no one to accuse me, no one to convict me, no one to blame me. Because he was my advocate. And he said, son, it's not always going to be a feeling. It's a choice. Love is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. You just keep on believing. You keep on forgiving. The feelings will line up eventually. You pray for them that hurt you. You pray for them that persecute you. It's hard to hate or despise someone that you're actively praying for. Don't pervert justice, he told them. Don't go around slander people among you. Should not stand up against the life of your neighbor. Don't 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 stand up and, and say it's okay. It's okay if you kill that baby. It's okay if you walk up and shoot a couple cops. Hey, they hurt. Some others like them hurt your feelings or or they put somebody you know in jail one time or they killed somebody unjustly because the heart of man, all man, is basically wicked. That power and authority was given to them by God. And they will answer to God for the way they wield it. No exceptions. No exceptions. You don't do away with something that God has ordained. If it's broke, fix it. If someone is corrupt, let them answer for it. But thank God it hasn't come to it yet. But hey man, people in my family have done some pretty bad things. What they did is kill us all. That's like killing all the police because one did something terribly, terribly wrong and illegal. Or a bunch did. Not millions, not hundreds of thousands of them. It shouldn't all go to work with a target on their back and lose the support of their bosses. The elected official who's hired to undergird them and support them and help them. What in the world are people thinking? You shall not hate your brother in your heart. Hello. But you shall reason frankly with your neighbor. It's okay to say, hey, listen, man, that, that's not right. I, that, that's not right. That's not good, brother. If you don't listen to you, go back with another brother. Another. You go with two and say, hey, man, listen, I'm trying to get through to you. Maybe this one can talk some sense into you. <laughs> Don't listen to them, and you go tell the church. They don't listen to him or the elders. Then you say, okay, we'll see you when you come to your senses. So Paul meant when he said, I've, I've turned this one over to, to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. Don't pray like that, by the way. <laughs> you, you need to understand what he's saying. He also went and said, now go love on them. I'll go love on that person. They suffered long enough and restore them back, you see. 
<laughs> Boundary walls in your life, in your relationships, they're okay if you can't trust that person. But you're never supposed to stop loving. You're never supposed to stop praying and believing for the restoration of that relationship. It may not ever come to that point. Hey, you're all strung out, man. I can't have you. I can't have you thieving and you can't be around. You can't even know my address. Sorry. That doesn't mean you hate that person. It means you love your family. Hello. I don't know if you're all with me today. Yes, <laughs> You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge. Hello. Against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You see where they got some of the things? They said, man, this is good. We need to instill this. How do we do this amongst people who are basically bad? If you give them too much power and authority, they will screw it all up. So let's make a representative government from all over the place. That's why this is not a pure democracy like some people think. This is a representative republic. Big difference. This means a guy in Wyoming has a vote. A guy in, in the Great Plains... The flyover states where they fly over and say, Ooh, I can smell the ignorance. And they're flying from L.A. to New York, you see. We have a saying. That way it's not mob rule. That's why it's not just how many votes. The more votes counts, that's who wins. No, it's not the way it works here. And if you get rid of the electoral college, that's how it will work. And if you do that, mob rule will win. Then... New York and L.A. and a few other places like that will determine everything for you. And folks, that's not what you want. It's not what they really want. You know what? They'll start eating their own. And they just don't know it. Half of these fringe groups that have attached itself to them. You know, I know people that are just still in unions and, they, and their union leaders came in and told them how to vote to protect their union jobs. When, it opposed, when everything else on that platform opposes their very life and lifestyle. So for money, for the, the thought that it might hurt their job. I see, I love all teachers. Thank God somebody's willing to put up with those rugrats and teach them all day long. But you know what? There are even, in, in those unions, there is corruption even within these unions and it becomes ungodly, you see? When it becomes ungodly, you have to stop supporting it. I don't care what you're a member of or what you think it might do to your job. God is more important. And you're probably wrong anyway. And you know what? In that same group, these particular people that I know I'm talking about, they had just been told how to vote. And then 40 BLM, which is not a... They don't care about black lives. That is a Marxist hate group. 40 of them walked into those those classrooms in that school. And this... Uh, it's a... It's a... 
union hall class, you know, where you go to, to be a journeyman and all that, you have to go to class. So anyway, they marched in there and they started harassing everybody, the teachers, the students, everybody, including my friend who, who's a white guy, his black friend who's also in the school trying to, to make a life for his family. They especially picked on him. Look at this. They called him every filthy name in the book. And I, I won't even try to get you to imagine the things they said to that man. Ironic, huh? We have to decide if we're going to be victims or victors. And you know, it's, it's more normal to be a victim. Because the heart of man is deceitful in all things and desperately wicked. And it's normal to play the victim. It's normal to have a crutch or a thousand in this life. And it's a choice to throw it off. You can blame your family. I just didn't have the great family. I wasn't born into, you know, a good family. Oh, I didn't know my daddy. That was one of mine. I still don't. But now I have a Father in Heaven who loves me. No more excuses, son. Well, I didn't, you know, it's easy for you to say you're white. Well, you can blame your race. You can blame your ethnicity. You can blame your gender. You can say you didn't get the breaks in life. You can say, oh, well, look what these, you don't know what they did to me. I don't know what they did to you. But I know what they did to this one and this one and this one and to me. And we all have things. We all have been given plenty of opportunity by the devil to be bitter. And we have to decide if we're going to be bitter or we're going to be better. And if we want to be better, it's a choice. We have to stop reinforcing negative behavior for starters as a nation. It starts in the home. When they kick and scream and throw themselves down on the floor in the store, don't give them the thing they want. Because you get 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 year old toddlers who still think if it ain't their way, they're going to throw a fit. And, do, and now they're more capable of doing a lot of harm, you see, a lot of harm than they were when they were a toddler without discipline which say God says if you don't discipline your child this don't mean beat them I've never laid, I've never spanked a kid in my life you would think I'd, I would but I didn't I haven't I don't think it's necessary but that's just me I'm not, I'm not opposed to it but I people are usually opposed when I tell them how they should do it all the love and correction they should tell them and the reason and why and if you do that again and then wait until you're not mad. And then go do it when you least want to. And then sit there and cry with them. And make that the longest hour afterwards that they ever spent in their life. Because you're sitting there hurting with them and telling them why it really did hurt you more than it hurt them. And how you love them and you're going to challenge Satan's claim on their life. And they are not going to be like that. <laughs> be a lot less spankings for starters. But they'd be a lot better kids. Amen. Ezekiel 33.9 says that preachers, pastors are the watchmen on the wall, you see. I know that 
I am a watchman over your souls. And whether you're here forever or you're just here for a season, I love, I'm going to love you coming, I'm going to love you going. You're not my property, you belong to Jesus Christ. And I take that very seriously. The Bible says not all of you should want to be teachers. You're going to be judged at a much higher standard. I'm going to answer. Have I taught you to love? Have I taught you the truth about the Lord and His will and His ways? Have I taught you to be good people? Have I taught you to be His people? Have I taught you to praise Him at all times? Have I taught you to be thankful and not to be bitter and to restore all the broken things in your life if you can? And to pray for others. I hope so. We have to get out of pride. We have to believe God. We have to love those that are not very lovely. Because He loves us. Not because we're lovely. He loves us because Jesus is lovely. And we chose Him. Amen? And don't try to fix everything. You can't... When, when you understand this and the how-tos, then you can go up a, a notch. But until then, just pray. But you can't disciple a demon and you can't cast out the flesh. These are things that I do understand. God has given me revelation, knowledge, and wisdom about these things. To some degree, there are others who are on a much higher level. And I thank God. I thank God that if, that, that if someone is responsible for 10,000 of God's people, good. I'm, I'm not there yet. I, I don't want to answer for that many people right now. God will let me know if He does and when. Until then, I'm satisfied with whatever. I've had opportunities to do that. More than one. But God wasn't in it. And I didn't want to be where He wasn't. I only want to do what God wants me to do. And be where He wants me to be. And only as long. And as soon as He tells me to do something, I do it. Or I try. And I ask Him. Did I miss anything? Did I miss you? Am I, am I doing your will? You see, and that's, that's, that's good enough. I might be the one with the two talents, not the five. But I'm going to double them, Lord willing. I'm not going to bury them in the ground. That's why I'm willing to get up here with the lack of a praise and worship team and get up here and sing out a key and bang around on the guitar and a piano that I can... Whatever I got, I'm going to give it. My pride, my ego, gone. And if they weren't, when they cut me in half last year, it finished it. <laughs> Try not being able to do anything for yourself for a little while. Anything. Dealing with self is a process, folks. People that are in the dark, they can't see. They don't know. Because they don't know the light. We're born selfish. 
But we don't have to stay that way. We need to come to terms. It's not just natural. When you get born again, you don't just become good. You become good in your spirit, but you can't discern that with your natural senses. So your soul has to be renewed. That's why Paul begs us, I plead with you by the mercies of God, because God's goodness and His merciful and everything He's done for you. Don't submit yourself to the world. Don't be like the world. Become a living sacrifice. Renew your minds according to the Word of God. We have to renew our minds. The problem with living sacrifice, they like to keep crawling down off the altar. So, faith to faith to faith. If you notice you crawl down, just crawl back up there. Bear your cross every day. That means when you want to when you want to, let me tell you something. Jesus loves you. So do I. That's bearing your cross, folks. When your will and Jesus' will cross, you just line up with Him. You get that vertical relationship going, and then that horizontal one will start working out better. You see? Amen. Amen. I'm going to stop right there. I only have six more hours. <laughs> I think we touched something beautiful today. I I pray that it be did. Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you, Lord, for taking the time to teach us the truth, the veracity of your word, and to help it get rid of the cobwebs, Lord, that the world has tried to put in front of us so we can't see clearly, so we so we can't understand clearly the, the rights and the wrongs and the truth and the justice that you stand for. Help us, Lord, to get on board with you and your your justice, your truth, your love and peace and joy, that we might help others and help us to to share your truth boldly. In a world where it has become a little more frightening to do that, Lord. But let us trust in you. And never deny you, Lord, or your truth. And never be prideful to the point that we think that we'll decide for others what they believe. By not sharing the truth that we know. Let them decide. We'll tell them the truth. We'll tell them what you've done for us. Thank you for loving us so much, Lord. Help us to magnify you and not the cares and the troubles of this world. You know, Lord, we understand when we magnify something, we're not really making it bigger. It just appears bigger to us. We want you to be big in our lives so that the cares of this world will be small. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us. And we thank you that our names are written in the book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.